Want to become an AI trailblazer in the product world? Pragmatic Institute's newest workshop, AI for Product Professionals, is your ticket to generative AI mastery. In this hands-on training, learn to master ChatGPT and prompt engineering to transform your product strategies, rapidly create content, optimize workflows, and make razor-sharp product decisions fueled by data. Don't just keep up with the AI revolution. Lead it. Seats are limited. Enroll today at pragmaticinstitute.com slash AI workshop. Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Product Chat series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Calajaris for Pragmatic Institute and your host for this episode. As a product marketer, I am passionate about my business and growing it. The idea that something I'm doing, some marketing program might actually be hurting my business is just like a horrifying thought. I am always looking to break through the noise, right? I certainly don't want to add to it. But what if some of the stuff we are doing is doing just that, right? Not bringing in the big fish, but like actually stopping them from coming in. And if that's the case, how do we identify those items and like, what should we be doing instead? Well, today's guest is here to help us unpack all of that and more based on not only his own personal experience, but that which he has gained by working with over 700 leading brands and that he's worked at his role as a chief evangelist officer at Interview Ballet. So today I'm very pleased to have Tom Schwab. Welcome, Tom. Well, thank you, Rebecca. I'm so thrilled to be here. It is, as you can tell, by my, like I mean it. Like these are things that like I don't know. I mean, my team works really, really hard and we do lots of stuff. And I am constantly looking at what I need to sort of cut, right? Because if I'm going to add things, I have to cut things. <laughs> but I want to make sure we're focused on the right stuff. So I'm really excited to kind of like dig in here and unpack with you. And also, you know, you are a fellow podcast fan. So <laughs> we Getting can geek out on that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I always like to start, Tom, by getting everyone's sort of origin story. And you have a fascinating origin story. But like, if you're, you know, you're a superhero power where you are today, but like, what was the path that brought you here? And why are you so passionate about what you do? Well, only makes sense in the rearview mirror. So mm-hmm. my first job out of college was running nuclear power plants in the Navy. I mean, obviously. Oh, and <laughs> didn't everybody start? You know, I, I graduated from U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis. And while I loved the service, it taught me that things can be systematized and mm. processes. Mm-hmm. Often mm-hmm. when people say, well, you don't understand my business. It's too complicated. It's like, no, you don't understand it, right? Yeah. Because if they can teach 20-somethings how to run nuclear power plants efficiently, safely, we can do the same in our business. And that really taught me a lot of the foundation. I worked for a Fortune 500 company and then started my own company, right? And through the entire thing, I'm looking at, What's the process, right? What are the systems that we can mm. we can do? And what is not working, what is, right? One of the big Tomisms my company is known for is in God we trust, everyone else bring data. So mm. that's what I'm going to bring to this conversation here of some of the things that work for small transactions, mm. don't work for the big B2B transactions. You know, the things that used to work, mm-hmm. but just aren't that way anymore. And I hope it causes people to think, right? Not only where we've been, but where are we going? 
Absolutely. And I think it's a really good thing for everyone to remember when you listen to is it is really for those of us who like really know our market and our business and our products, it's really easy to see all the differences between us and everything else. And we can sometimes use those differences to be like, distance ourselves from things that work elsewhere. Like, no, 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 we're too different. We're unique. It won't work here. And sometimes it really is we're kind of in our own way of seeing that, right? You have the same unique problems everyone else does. (laughs) Or the flip side too, that you see it and it's like, well, this worked for this B2C company. Yes. Well, doesn't mean it's going to work for a B2B company, right? One of my things that I cringe every time I hear it is you're one funnel away, right? It's a great (laughs) marketing thing, right? But if funnels and Facebook ads work so well, I guess that's why Boeing and Airbus, you see them all the time selling aircraft uh, (laughs) using that same business model. It doesn't mean the business model doesn't work, but maybe not for your business. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's, and that's exactly it, right? I mean, I, I certainly, my, my feed is full of things that I have shopped for or thought about shopping for or once dreamed of shopping for, right? But it's certainly not mostly about solutions that I would use to make my business better. All right. So let's talk a little bit about some of those techniques that are maybe people haven't thought about or that you really advocate in order to break through that noise. Mm-hmm. Well, I, first of all, I want to push back on breaking through the noise, right? Mm. The people that keep saying break through the noise, do you ever notice they're the ones that are selling us all the megaphones? Uh, I see. Right? Yep. yep. And the idea of if we all yell louder, we'll be heard. Yes. That's definitely no. not how I want to break through the noise. Right. So it, it's like there's a reason they want us to break through the noise. To me, instead of breaking through the noise, I'd rather get in on the conversation that mm. my ideal clients or customers are already listening to. So you can start thinking about different ways to do that. Where are they already listening? Where are they already giving their attention to, as opposed to trying to grab their attention, Mm -hmm. try to leverage that, right? And this is nothing new, right? This used to be, you know, as seen on TV or get on the radio. (laughs) If people were listening to the radio, get on the radio. Or if you want to talk to business owners in your town, well, Better go to the country club or go to the Rotary Club. All of those same things of leveraging other people's audiences is the same thing we're doing here yep. online, right? And we're you see that's people doing it still in print magazines, even though they're all online now, doing it on YouTube, doing it on podcasts. It's this whole idea of getting in on the conversation, not just trying to break through the noise. Well, and I think, you know, we often think about, okay, I want to be where they are, right? That's an ad in a magazine, but that is different than I want to be part of the conversations they're already having. And I think that's one of the places that's super powerful to think about is where they have in the conversation, what are they having them about and how can I be a participant in it and not feel like I'm, you know, the ad that broke through the middle of the conversation, (laughs) right? But that like, this is like the continuation of there. And that idea of you want to be where they are. I'd add to that, I want to be where they are when they make buying decisions, Mm -hmm. right? About a year ago, we had a client that came to us and I said, well, why do you want to do podcast interviews? And I thought his answer was interesting. So this guy is a a high level consultant, B2B consultant. And he said, the reason I want to be on podcast interviews is because he said, I see so much of digital marketing and especially social media. Mm. And his term was, as the digital equivalent to advertising above urinals. <laughs> and I, I laughed and I'm like, can you explain that to me? 
And he's like, well, my clients are there, but it doesn't mean they're making a buying decision, right? If they see me in a restroom, if they see me on a bus or a park bench, that will actually hurt my brand, mm, right? They mm-hmm. may be there, but that's not where they're, where they're making the buying decisions. So are my clients on Facebook? Yeah, maybe they're on Facebook, but what are they doing there? Are they looking at pictures of, you know, family members and connecting with them there? Or are they really buying enterprise level B2B solutions, Mm -hmm. right? So if all of a sudden you get seen doing the newest TikTok dance because, well, your clients are on TikTok, they might see you, but, you know, that's one of those things that might actually hurt your brand. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. So I want to be where they are having the conversations. I want to be where they're making the buying decision, those types Mm -hmm. of conversations, relevant ones to what I'm selling. Right. And then of course, I want to feel like I fit in that conversation, if that makes sense. Right. Like I didn't pop into a conversation and start talking about strawberries when they're, you know, clearly focused on something else. How do we identify those? How do we identify the right conversations and the avenues for those? Well, it used to be, you know, I always say that nine years ago when we started, it was more podcast guessing than podcast (laughs) guesting, right? For better or worse right now, there's a lot of data out there where you can find lookalike audiences, Mm. right? So if you know that, hey, I want to be on HBR IdeaCast, right? Well, do you really want to be on Harvard Business Review's podcast or do you want to talk to their audience, right? right? And if you know, I want to talk to their audience, well, their audience is other places too. That may be more accessible too, I would think. Exactly. Right. I mean, who doesn't tool. want to be on HBR? I mean, I wouldn't, but yes. Uh, yes, but we had a client came to us. And he was great, great, you know, business leader, written, written a book. But guess what? He was a high school dropout, right? Mm. And he says, I want to be on HBR IdeaCast. Well, I'm sorry. I don't care what kind of relationships I have. I can't get you on there because it goes against what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And ultimately you want to talk to their audience. So you can look at lookalike audiences of all the people that subscribe to that podcast. What other podcasts do they Mm. look at? Mm. What conferences do they go to? This idea of trying to be in the position to have that conversation and be heard, right? And so there's a lot of data around there too. So I always start with, who do you want to talk with? Mm -hmm. And there's a great book out there by Eddie Yoon. It's called Super Consumers. And I love how his take is that you should only market to your super consumers, right? And he did a lot of work with CPG. And one of the things, you know, he used an example of American Girl dolls, right? Mm -hmm. He says, you don't want to market to the person that buys one. You want to market to the person that buys everyone and every accessory because they'll do the rest of the marketing for you. Mm. Or he did one with Velveeta cheese, right? There are super consumers of Velveeta cheese, <laughs> right? It's like the four-year-old market. It's pretty hot for the Velveeta oh, well, cheese. <laughs> I was going to say, and, and market to them quick because they might not live long. Right, but he's yes. like, you know, find those people that are your super consumers, your advocates. Those are the people to really focus on because not only will they value what you bring, they'll bring you sales, they'll bring you customers, and they'll bring you word of mouth like you've, you can never believe. Mm. So really looking at there that it's not this idea of more, more, more. I just want to talk to everyone. Right. No, I want to talk to the right people. Yeah. And I think that's one of the brilliant things about podcasts is their ability to be fairly niche, right? to be able to find really targeted groups and and go after that. Yeah. And I always say that podcasts are amazing because it's a hundred percent opt-in, 
right? Nobody yep. just accidentally started to listen to this. And after they hear you, two things happen. They either turn you up or turn you off. <laughs> right, either, yes. either one is fine, right? Because ultimately you want better marketing so you can get better leads and sales yep. that close faster, right? I get all those emails, Rebecca, that, you know, do you want more leads? No, it's like leads today are like the equivalent of Facebook likes. Right, right? yes. It doesn't do anything. In fact, with leads, you've got to work them, right? Yep. We had a client yep. that came to us and said, he needed 5,000 leads next year from podcast interviews. And I'm like, I don't think that's possible, right? We've never done that, right? right? And I said, why do you need that many? And this was gentleman was a high-level consultant. He's like, because last year I got 1,000 leads from Facebook and he got one client, right? <laughs> and so if he got 5,000 leads, now we'll get five clients. And I'm just looking and going, oh, you don't have enough time in your day to kiss right? that many frogs. There's so many other levers we could pull than, than yes. just the total number of leads, right? Well, but I mean, I think that brings up a good point. I think, I mean, everyone listening knows I'm a giant fan of podcasts and I love doing it. I think it's an important part of pragmatics is marketing strategy is to host a podcast, as well as we obviously try to get our instructors on other podcasts as well, right? Like it's it's part of a thing. We think it's really mm -hmm. great. We think of it as a way of sort of co-opting, that sounds like a bad word, but like audiences, like Tom is on my show and Tom is going to share his episode of our show when it's done. And then everyone in Tom's network is going to hear about the show, right? I mean, it is a way you sort of share networks. That's why getting good guests matter because it's quality, right? You want to share the right people with my audience. I don't want to bring someone on who's saying things I don't agree with and share it with my audience. That's not right. But I think sometimes there's a measurement. It's hard to measure because you can anonymously listen to podcasts, right? Mm -hmm. When someone's like, why is it important, Rebecca? And what value is it delivering? And you're just like, but it is, it's not a good answer. So how can people help not only do it, but like quantify the impact? Well, if you do podcast guesting the correct way, mm -hmm. right, and send them to a dedicated welcome page, you can quantify it there. Yep. But this idea that everything is quantifiable. Yes. It mm -hmm. came from Google and Facebook, right? <laughs> they're liars. <laughs> and the best, well, no, they're not liars, but I would say they're telling you the truth that they want. And the best <laughs> example I ever heard of this was from Rand Fishkin. Rand started a company called SEO Boz, wrote a great book called Lost and Founder. And he gave the example that if he is speaking at an event or he is on a podcast and somebody is like, oh, I've got to check him out. And somebody goes to the internet and they put his name in, but they don't get it spelled quite yeah. right, right? Google's going to help them and it's going to bring him to his site and Google's going to raise their hand and say, we brought you that traffic. Right. right. And maybe you even but, paid for that. Maybe it was a paid uh, search. <laughs> but but yeah. Google, Google takes credit for that. Yep. Now the person gets distracted while they're there and they leave. Right. But because there's Facebook retargeting, they come back. Now Facebook is going to say, we brought you that traffic. Mm -hmm. So it's like, is it Google? Is it Facebook? Is it the podcast? Is it the public speaking? You know, if you only believe that it's Google and Facebook, then I would encourage you. Never do another public speech, never do another podcast, never do another podcast interview, an ad in a print media, billboards, or your little league baseball team. Because or none of yeah. or article. None of those mm -hmm. things can be a hundred percent attributed. But yep. you know in your heart it worked. And especially when you ask clients, hey, where'd you find out about us? 
Yes. They'll have a sense. Oh, I heard you on mm-hmm. Rebecca's show. And it's funny, I would add to that too, that they often, when you talk to them, they will remember that. If you have something on a forum that says, where did you hear about us? They will inevitably pick the thing that makes them look like the least gullible, right? So if you have something on there that says referral, they will pick that because that seems like a really reasonable way to do. And again, in your example, which one of those things would they pick on the form, right? Would they pick that I heard you on a podcast, that then I saw you on a Facebook ad, the same thing. There's like a self-reporting issue in there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think there is a level of influence that you can get in with a podcast and raising that credibility. The other thing that's brilliant about a podcast is there really isn't, it's not a heavy upfront cost, right? There's not a huge barrier like to be a guest on a show. If you can do it right, right? There's preparation, maybe there's a prep call, and then there's putting like something together so that you can capture leads. But that is a very small investment compared to, you know, what you're going to spend on a Google ad. Very much so. And people will say, well, it doesn't scale, right? If you're doing, we were talking before political ads, right? We're getting into the season, right? They can go and throw millions of dollars at ads and buy it up and drive up the price for, for other businesses. Well, we don't have the unlimited budget that they no. do, right? <laughs> no. So we've got to be creative. We have to be targeted in there. And so there's things that's where you can work smarter, mm-hmm. not just harder with that. The other thing too, that I would think in there is that, especially I think the larger the engagement, the more of a relationship sale it is mm. as opposed to a transaction, Yep. right? So if if I'm just buying a, a $2 widget or, you know, the earbuds, Right. I still use the earbuds with the cords on because I put them through the wash every two weeks. Right. It's yeah. To me, those are disposables. Right. I don't have to know the company. I don't have to Mm -hmm. know, like or trust. I am just sell me the cheapest one is fine. But when you get into larger sales, especially in the B2B and the enterprise Mm -hmm. system there, even with the products, you have to know about the company. If I'm going to if I'm going to yeah. tie my company onto that, I better know who they are, what they believe, what their origin story is. And that's really hard to do with an ad, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe after you know them from being on a podcast interview or seeing them talk at a big conference, then the ad is meaningful, but without that, it's just noise. But I think it is, yes. I mean, I think a lot of our B2B solutions that we're selling are more complex. Right. And there's a certain level of expertise that I expect from my vendor that I need from my vendor expertise and understanding. And I think to your point, the podcast medium can give us a way to demonstrate that a lot better than, you know, a smaller medium or a little ad that pops up. You know, Rebecca, I I'm struggling with this now because I was a salesman earlier in my life, right, for a Fortune 500 medical device company. And more and more today, I see that things are being bought, not being sold. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. So especially services, products, especially high level products to think that I went out and found this person that was cold, that had no idea. And that, that my marketing and my sales converted them. Right. I think is vain when I look at it that way, more or less they're buying, right? They know they've got a problem. They start searching out there. And they're looking for somebody that educates them, that they trust, that they believe. And I'd say the bigger the sale, the bigger the importance, the more of a conversation it takes Mm -hmm. and uh, helping people buy, not just trying to sell to them. 
But if you think about it, a podcast allows you to record a conversation and then to some extent broadcast it to a much bigger audience than you would normally, right? So it's not just one good conversation. Everybody gets to hear the great conversation. Well, yeah, and it's easy to share, right? So if all of a sudden you and I are at a conference, right? And I hear you speaking up on the stage and now I've got to tell somebody else about what you said. I guarantee I'm going to remember about a third of it and get about a third of that correct, right? Whereas if I hear you on a podcast, I can go, oh, Justin really needs to hear this. And I can send him the link and say, you know, what she was talking about at minute seven Mm -hmm. is what, what you were asking about the other day. Check this out. And the chances of them listening to that go up astronomically, right? We had a client said, can you reach fortune 500 CEOs with podcasts? And I'm like, yeah, but there's not a a podcast that says, you know, the fortune 500 CEO podcast with (laughs) 500 downloads per episode. I don't think they're listening to a lot of podcasts, but there's a lot of people that influence them that could hear that and could share that with them. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think the other thing when we talk about podcasts and credibility, it's not just the credibility that you're demonstrating by talking. It's sort of third party. You kind of you get the other persons, their platforms and their credibility kind of lack of a bit leaks onto you. Right. You get sort of third party endorsement from someone that they've already trusted with their time. And that's that's really powerful. And especially with the podcasts that have been around mm-hmm. where the host like you shows loyalty to the audience. Yes. Right. Mm. You put your audience first. So if someone is on your show, that means they pass the vetting process, mm-hmm. right? They had a good interview because, okay, you don't have to say it. I'll say it. Not every interview that gets recorded goes live. This right? is in fact true. Yes. <laughs> Interviews get lost and all the rest of that. So if someone. It's a you know, bad recording. It's, yeah, it's a bad, I don't know what happened, um, but yeah. So there's like this, this whole vetting before it gets yeah. out there. Yep. So you know that what you're listening to is, I don't want to say endorsed, but in some ways, yeah. you know, endorsed by the person that you trust. Yes, absolutely. And that's powerful. That's hard to quantify the results of that. If you can build onto their platform and build into their network. So we started this talking about your nuclear experience and your Navy experience and sales. You've done all kinds of things. But one of the big things about you, and I've had the pleasure of speaking with your wife, she's very clear that this goes also to your personal life, is you are a very process-oriented person, right? (laughs) So if this is something someone's thinking about, yes, this makes sense. Let's get, whether it's the product manager or some of the other people in the organization, let's really think about a podcast sort of approach and philosophy, what process steps, what would you have them start and kind of walk through, walk through that with me? And I I think taking a step back where people go, oh, I want to be booked on podcasts. I want to do podcast guesting. Podcast guesting is not marketing, Mm. right? It's a tactic. It's a part of it, right? Mm -hmm. It's an activity. That's almost like just saying, well, I'll do public speaking and that will work. Well, not if you speak at, you know, at a, cor- a corner, right? Or not if you speak at your son's little league game, right? Yeah. There's got to be a process behind it. So we really look at starting from what the goal is, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody's goal is to just be on an interview. They're trying to solve a problem or, yes. or reach a goal. So what is that? Who do they want to talk to, right? Not what podcast do they want to be on, but who do they want to talk to? And then using the data to actually find those audiences. 
then talking about, well, what would bring value, right? What mm -hmm. things can you speak about? Because you don't want to do the same interview over and over, right? That's boring for you. It's yep. boring for the listeners. It's boring for the host and you can't promote it or repurpose it, mm -hmm. right? And so thinking through all of that, and then, you know, we had a client that came to us and he said, you know, I love working with you because you let me be the guest and you take care of the rest. Yes, that's, or, a, that's or, a lovely place to be. Early on, I tried teaching this and people just said, I don't want to learn it. You know, just <laughs> let, let me do, do what I can me. do. Yep. Right. Yep. So we do that and prep them for every interview, mm -hmm. right? And bring them up to speed and then, you know, coach them on the best practices and then get the feedback because we're always optimizing. We're always want to get better results for our clients because, you know, like I said, the, the goal is we're not optimizing for the number of interviews. We're not optimizing for the number of listeners. We're optimizing for the number of profitable clients. Yep. And that's what we're always going after. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's a great ego play if you can be on a podcast with tens of thousands of listeners. But if they're all, again, not related, if they're all Little League fans and that's not what you do, then that's that's just an ego piece. It's not going to help your sales, right? If you can get 10, 100, 1,000, 10,000, whatever, really targeted people that match the audience you're going after, then that's a very different place. Yeah, and the ego thing goes away quick enough, right? Yes. Truth is, is that, you know, 80% of podcasts that die, die within the first 10 episodes. Really? Yep. It's called pod fade in the industry because Ooh. a lot of people start a podcast for ego, right? Yeah. Oh, this will be fun. I'll be famous. And then about two months in, oh, this is a lot of work. Yep. Yep. And they stop, right? And I think a lot of marketing is that way too, right? Where people will start something but they don't have a plan. They don't have an yep. idea and they don't see the results. They don't have the data behind it. And then they just give up, right? When we talk with clients, they'll come to us and say, can I try it for a month? Well, no, you will not see any results in a month, right? <laughs> right yes. There's no great podcast that is <laughs> worthwhile that's going to invite you, record it and get out there in a month. So, you know, this is more of a, a long-term play, yes. more of a marathon than a sprint. And to be fair, if ego is what you're after, the podcast is 100% not the channel for you. I love my podcast and I have a great time doing it, which I think is important if you're going to do it. But also like, you don't get any live feedback. Let's just be super clear. Other than with your guests, right? No one's like popping in. It's not like a webinar where you're like, oh, look at all the questions come in. It's just, you just have to be <laughs> true to the audience. And, and every once in a while, you'll get a comment. It makes you feel good. The, what you talked about bringing value, right? And what can you talk about? I think that's a really important place to dig in because I can tell you the thing that will bring value is not to talk about your product, right? It's, yes, you are an expert in your product, but let's go bigger than that. Be an expert in the problem it solves or, you know, the, the market it serves or something else. And to your point, it's also not, it's not the same TED talk that you give over and over because let me tell you, as a host, I can totally tell when I'm getting that. It's got to be, this is a topic I know in a domain and we can explore that in several different angles based on this host and their audience. Rebecca, you are so spot on and it reminds me of something a client told me years ago. I was covering the phones over lunch and one of the clients called me, he was so happy and he's like, you guys are just like Preparation H. <laughs> I paused, I'm like, can you explain that? And he's like, oh yeah. You know, you came recommended, you provided fast relief, all the rest <laughs> of that. And it really struck me that we're all selling Preparation H, mm. right? 
Nobody cares about your product. Nobody cares about your service, right? All they care about is the pain in their rear end and what can you do to make it go away? And so I think we're all enamored with our product, our service, but nobody wants to hear about that. You know, if you can define the problem, right? If you understand the problem, people just believe that you understand the solution too. Whereas if all you know is the solution, you don't know them. No. And I mean, that's about it. Like if you come and say, I want to go on your show and talk about my solution, I'm going to say no. If you want to come on the show and talk about, you know, value you can bring or a different perspective, there's all kinds of things that I will find interesting, but it, it won't be your solution. Right. Yes. And some, our mission is to personally introduce inspiring thought leaders to millions of people they could serve for the betterment of all. And Love that it. list, there's a bunch of litmus tests in there, mm-hmm. but one of yep. them is for the betterment of all. And there's a lot of clients or prospects that we turn down because they look at it as saying, how can I use this audience to hawk my thing or to sell my book? And it's like, that's not the way this medium works. Nope, nope, not at all. So we talked about the process. You talked about, you know, who do they want to talk to, the audience you're trying to reach? How do you bring value? Prepping for the interview and best practices. The other place that as someone who has lots of, lots and lots, lots of guests, I think people miss the opportunity to really capitalize on it is the, what do I do after the interview? And thank you for saying guests, because so many people are like, what, what, do you sh- what should you do to be a great podcast guest? Well, forget the podcast part, focus on what it means to be a guest. Yes. Right. And part of that is thanking the host afterwards. Uh-huh. Now, how do you thank the host afterwards? Well, you know, you can send an email, you can send the card, but what makes the most difference to them, right? Promoting the podcast, mm-hmm. right? Why wouldn't you, if, if you thought this audience was influential enough to speak to, why wouldn't you stay connected with that host and promote it, tag them, repurpose it? If they put something out there, make sure you comment on it. You know, I am amazed you can get a month's worth of content from every interview. Yes. And we've, we've done this before. And, you know, this is copyrighted material. I would never use it without asking the host permission. That being said, I have never, Mm -mm. ever had a host say, no, you can't use this. Right. They'll say, can you make sure that you mention where it comes from? Sure. Of course I will. But it's like, why? It, It amazes me. Some people are on podcast interviews or they'll, you know, speak on a big stage, they'll put a book out. And then it's like they're in the witness protection plan and never tell anybody about it. It's not only hurts yourself, but it's not being a gracious guest either, right? Mm -hmm. The host puts a lot of effort and time into producing this, right? They're promoting it. You should do the same. Absolutely. The other place that at least for us, and I think because we have B2B and because we do training, right? So we really are about giving people like actionable information, things they can use, insights, they can, things they can do differently tomorrow based on what you and I talk about today. Like that is my always my last question. What can they do tomorrow based on what we talked about today? But that also means another way that a, one of some of my favorite guests, they bring value in that way to my audience, both in the podcast, but often in, you know, in the old days, you'd call it a leave behind because you were physically somewhere, but like, right, a download, a tool, like a real actionable tool, not just like a brochure that's behind a gate that then someone can go see, but like, something they can really use and sink their teeth into. That's a huge value for my audience. Also a huge value for the guests 
because that is where you get to start to like bring them into your universe more closely and where you go from all my listeners to those who are really ready to be in that by decision, by conversation moment. Yeah, we had a client that pointed out to me what it meant for a podcast interview to go viral, Hmm. right? It has nothing to do with about the number of downloads. It's when you're listening to this episode on your morning run, right? And it stays with you the whole day and you start to talk with people and you're like, you know, I heard something today and I'd never thought about it that way before. And it jumps from just being a conversation with one person to now they're using it and talking about it with people that haven't even been there. Or like you said, giving people a copy of a book or an assessment mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or some kind of tool. Now you've taken it from one medium, right? And now it's jumped to a different one. And, you know, before we had talked about, you know, can you target Fortune 500 CEOs? Well, if you have a tool, right? Something that's really valuable and somebody prints it out and gives that to the decision maker, Right. Mm-hmm. And they're like, this is good stuff. Right. And it's got your logo on it and stuff like that. I don't care if that person has never listened to a podcast before. That podcast just went viral and caused you to get to somebody yep. that you normally wouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. OK, I've already given you a hint at what my next and final question is, which is if you could have people do two things differently tomorrow based on what we talked about today, Tom, what would you have them do? The first one would be remember what marketing is right? I went back and later in life and got my MBA and spent way too much money and time on it, right? Marketing is starting a conversation with someone that could be a great client, right? So with what you're doing, does that start the conversation, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. That's the first one. The second one is who needs to hear you, Mm. right? To grow your business. I don't believe that you're one funnel away, I believe you're one conversation away. And that could be with a customer, but that could also be with a referral partner. That could also be with a great employee, right? All of those things, right? What conversations are going to get me to my goals here? And then start to figure out how you can have those conversations and can you have those at scale? So that's what I would challenge them. First one is marketing to start a conversation with somebody who could be a great customer. And then Who do I need to have those conversations with and then make it happen? Yes. Yes. As we said, 10 powerful conversations with the right people is a lot more. It's a lot more powerful than a thousand conversations with just anyone. Because this is what you do, Tom. And also you've got great materials. You've you've written books on the subject. I know my next question is going to have a really good answer, which is people who are listening, who are like this Tom guy, he knows what he's talking about. And I want to learn more. I want to follow Tom and kind of keep going. Where should they go? All right. This is where I pull behind the curtain, right? This is how to do a podcast interview best practices, right? We've tested this over nine years. It's the best, best way to do it. Give them one place to go, yes. right? Do not send them to a dozen different places. So where you can go here is just go to interviewvalet.com forward slash product chats. Excellent. When you get there, that's called a welcome page. You're going to see Rebecca's picture. You're going to see some boilerplate text and then give people three ways to say yes, right? A small yes, a medium yes, and a heck yes. Meet them where they are, right? So if you want to see, hey, could my business use podcast interview marketing? There's an assessment, 10 questions, right? You'll see how you could use that. 
Rebecca was nice enough to mention my book, Podcast Guest Profits, How to Grow Your Business with the Targeted Interview Strategy. You can buy it on Amazon, but if you go there to the page, I'll give you a free copy. I'll mail you one if you're in the U.S. or if you're outside the U.S., I'll send you a digital copy. And then finally, if you listen to this and they're like, huh, I'd like to talk with somebody about this, right? Mm-hmm. I'll put my calendar scheduling link. We can jump on a call, you know, no, no commitment or anything like that, but let's see how you could leverage podcast interview marketing to grow your brand and grow your business. And all of that's going to be at interviewvalet.com forward slash product chats. Perfect. Well done. Everyone take notes. Okay. One other thing, just because, you know, we were a little, little meta today talking about the podcast on the podcast. I would absolutely also listeners, we have a lot of really great listeners and I do get, I do get messages sometimes. So you don't have to feel bad for me, but if there is something feedback you guys have on the podcast topics you would like to see, please feel free to send us a note on that. So you can just send it to Rebecca at pragmaticinstitute.com. Once we've opened the, opened the doors and peeked behind, we might as well go all the way. Right. Excellent. Tom, this was delightful. I really enjoyed your time. I really enjoyed kind of the the process you laid out and the story of how you've seen this work with you and your clients. And so just thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you, Rebecca. I appreciate all that you do. Awesome. All right. That does it for today's episode, everyone. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career. 